Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for taking an interest in in us, Lord, to save us from our sins, and in our our little chapel here, Lord, to make everything just come together as a beautiful woven cloth, Lord, where you bring all the pieces together. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to continue on this really important verse to prepare us for breaking a bread as we again... Look at the cross from a different perspective than we saw in the past. In 1 Peter chapter 2.24, Peter has taken this time to stand back and look at the cross and to describe what the cross is. And so this is this verse, 1 Peter 2.24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That's the verse. Now, in our last study, we looked at the same verse and we looked at it from the perspective of the cross with these words, his own body, his own self. And what we did is we considered the cross from the aspect of how he himself bore our sins. He alone bore our sins. And today we're going to look further in the cross in First Peter, this verse in First Peter 2, 24, and we're going to focus on the words, our sins, because as it says there, our sins, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. And what we're going to look at is exactly what was that load of our sins that he bore for us. The Bible has a very strong emphasis on how the Lord bore our sins. It's just woven just all throughout Isaiah 53. You can't miss it when you read in verses like Isaiah 53, 4, where it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And then you see in verse 6 of Isaiah 53, 6, how all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then toward the end of the, that chapter, Isaiah 53, the 11th verse, Isaiah 53, 11, he shall see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. All this continuing theme, last verse, Isaiah 53, 12, Isaiah 53, 12, therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death, was numbered with the transgressors, he bare 
the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions over and over and over again. It's clear that the Messiah removed our sins as has already been prayed over, prayed this today. He took away our sins by bearing our sins. But what was it like for him to bear our sins? What was it that he bore? What was the load of our sins that he bore? When the Lord Jesus Christ came to the Garden of Gethsemane, he anticipated with a great sense of anxiety of what it was going to mean for him to take the load of our sins. And we read about that in Mark 14, 34, Mark 13, 44, this great anxiety when it says, he saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. That anticipation of taking the load of our sins was so terrible that he came close to dying. He came close to dying from an overwhelming sorrow. And while the Lord Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was again anticipating bearing the load of our sins, he saw a cup. He saw a cup that was being offered to him, the cup of all of our sins. And it was so terrible that what we read in Luke 22, 44, Luke 22, 44, it says, and being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became, as it were, great drops of blood falling upon the ground. The agony of it all, the agony was so great that it was just like his blood vessels had been taken and just wrung like a wet cloth so that blood came out, great drops of blood came off of his head. And yet he held up, he held up under all this anxious anticipation of bearing the load of our sins. And when we see what the Lord did for us when he bore our sins to save us, we're going to see many of these things. Who could hold up under the agony of the sorrow of death that caused great sweat drops of blood? None but the Lord. The load of our sins was so heavy because of, first of all, because of its number, just a number alone. I mean, if, a, if we say conservatively that a person was to sin once per day, and that's very conservative. For some of us, I know we're way off the mark, but that's okay. And let's say that he lives for 80 years of age. And let's say we even start at the year of, uh, of 13, at the age of 13, as the age of accountability. I mean, that would mean that a person would, would if they sins once per day, starting from the year 13 till they're 80, that would mean that they would have 25,000 sins that they would be accountable for in their lifetime, 25,000. Now, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ died for all the sins of the world in 1 John 2.2. 1 John 2.2 makes that very clear when it says, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the whole world, for the whole world. And let's say, for example, that there's been about 10 billion people who have lived since Adam, and that's a conservative figure. So that would mean if you take 10 billion and you multiply it times 25,000, that would mean that there were 250 trillion sins that the Lord Jesus Christ died for. That is an incomprehensible number, 250 trillion. I mean, just King David alone, just at the point in his life, when he thought about all the sins in his life, 
In Psalm 40, verse 12, Psalm 40, verse 12, he said, for innumerable, you know, too numerous to count, you know, innumerable, innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have overtaken me so that I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart have failed me. That's what he said when he looked at the number of sins in his life at that point in his life. He said they were innumerable. They had overwhelmed him. They made him not able to look up. Just think of what 250 trillion sins look like for the Lord to bear. The load of our sins was heavy because of the number of our sins, over 250 trillion sins. Who could be able to bear 250 trillion sins? None but the Lord. And when Moses was responsible for the children of Israel in the desert, a job I wouldn't wish on anybody, he had a visit from his Midianite father-in-law. And his Midianite father-in-law watched Moses try to bear all the burdens of taking care for the Jewish people. And his Midianite father-in-law gave Moses some advice. He said, son, sit down, i got to tell you something. And that's the advice that we have in Exodus 18.18. And Exodus 18.18 is the advice of his father-in-law. And he said, thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for the thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform thyself alone. So Moses' father-in-law said, told Moses, thou wilt surely wear away the things too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to bear this thing alone. It's going to kill you, is what he said. And Moses knew his Midianite father-in-law was right. So later, when Moses was speaking to God, then Moses told God in Numbers eleven fourteen, Numbers eleven fourteen, I'm not able to bear all this people alone because it's too heavy for me. And again, King David speaking about his sins, he said in Psalm 38, 4, Psalm 38, 4, Mine iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. The Lord, the, the, the Lord did bear. He bore these sins, these 250, however they are, 250 trillion sins. They weren't little sins. They weren't white lies. They were enormously heavy sins. They were all the sins of the evil thoughts. And the thought of foolishness is sin, the Bible tells us. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he bore this unimaginable heavy load of our sins. Who could hold up under the weight of the load of our sins? None but the Lord. And then each one of our sins, each one of our sins had a separate penalty. And that can be seen in the book of separate penalties, which is the book of Leviticus. Because the book of Leviticus prescribes separate penalty offerings for separate penalty sins. And each sin had a prescribed offering. And Leviticus lays out the penalty offering to be made for whatever sin there is. In fact, if there's one message that you want to say for the book of Leviticus, it's the message of this. Each sin has to be paid for separately. Each one of our sins had to be paid for If a person does not receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, he will pay for his sins for all eternity, and it won't be long enough. It won't be long enough for a sinner to pay for all of his separate sins. But the Lord Jesus Christ paid for 
each one of our separate sins. Who can pay for each one of those sins? None but the Lord. And when the Lord Jesus Christ bore the load of our sins, he wasn't anesthetized. He wasn't, as a matter of fact, he was offered an anesthetic and he refused it because he refused it so that he could feel all the load of our sins. And when he felt the load of our sins, you know what he did? He groaned. He groaned under that burden. In Psalm 22.1, Psalm 22.1, his groan was, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? You know, it's not uncommon for people who have lost parents or a loved one or have gone through a divorce or some kind of suffering like that to go through what's called separation anxiety, separation anxiety, or just the fear of being abandoned, abandonment anxiety. And what the Lord Jesus Christ felt when he bore the load of our sins was the ultimate separation anxiety. When he was, when he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Another way of putting it, my God, my God, why have you separated yourself from me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He held up. He held up under this ultimate separation of being abandoned by God. Who could hold up under the feeling of being separated from God? None but the Lord. And not only did the Lord Jesus feel the separation from God when he was under the load of our sins, he also felt what is spoken about in Psalm 6920, Psalm 6920, which says, Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. In Psalm 3811, Psalm 3811, my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. That's what he saw when he was on the cross. Every person abandoned him when he was bearing the load of our sins. There was no help. There was no helper to help him. There was no relief. No one to relieve him. There was no comforter. No one to comfort him. Not one. So he experienced not only separation from God, but separation from man when he bore our sins. And he held up. Who could bear our sins and hold up being separated by man? None but the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is called in the scriptures in Isaiah 52, 13, Isaiah 52, 13, behold, my servant, my servant shall deal wisely. He shall be exalted and lifted up and be very high. Further, it goes on about this, uh, his title of servant in Isaiah 53, 11, Isaiah 53, 11, when it says he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. He shall bear their iniquities. My righteous servant, he says. Behind this word, ebed, this word servant, is the meaning, is the concept of someone who bows. Someone who bows. It's the idea of the humility, bow. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, he bows his head when he dies. It says in John 19.30, John 19.30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It's amazing to think of the Lord Jesus Christ as the one bowing. Why? Because in Hebrews 1, 
Hebrews 1.3, it speaks about him as upholding all things by the word of his power. All things by the word of his power. All things, from John 1.3, all things, John 1.3, were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things. Colossians 1.17, Colossians 1.17, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He made all things. He is before all things. He holds all things together. On his shoulders, he carries the weight of the universe. He doesn't bow. He doesn't bow. But the load of our sins presses him down to the point of agony and death, and he bows his head. Who could create and maintain all things and be bowed down by the weight of our sins. None but the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is called the light of the world. He's the light of the world. John 8, 12. John 8, 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. So as the light of the world, what happens? He takes the darkness away from other people. He is the light. That removes the darkness from other people. The darkness could not comprehend the light, could not extinguish the light. He gives the light of life, as it says in Colossians 1.13. Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He is the marvelous light. He's the light that lights every person who comes into the world. As it says in John 1, 9, John 1, 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. But bearing the load of our sins on the cross, we read in Matthew 27, 45, Matthew 27, 45, now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And when he died, bearing our sins, bearing the load of our sins, we read in Matthew 27, 60, Matthew 27, 60, and laid it in his own new tomb. The Lord was laid in a, in a new tomb which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Just think of that stone. That stone gets rolled in front of there, and all light is gone in that tomb. They put him in a tomb of complete darkness. The light of the world is in a tomb of complete darkness. Under the load of our sins, the light of the world went into darkness, and the third day he emerged from the darkness of that tomb into the light. Who could be the light of the world and decide to go into darkness bearing the load of our sins? None but the Lord. And then it was almost as if the Lord Jesus Christ had a checklist. He had this checklist of what he needed to accomplish, what he needed to do in order to come to that end of the checklist and say, it's all checked off. It's finished. When he bore the load of our sins... And he cried out, it's finished. He was saying he had completed the checklist. And what did that checklist include? 
It included finishing the work of our atonement, bringing us peace with God. Check. Who could atone for our sins, bearing the load of our sins? None but the Lord. He finished becoming the Lamb of God that takes away or removes the load of our sins. Check. Who could become the Lamb of God, the pure, spotless, without blemish Lamb of God to take the load of our sins? None but the Lord. He finished becoming the serpent that was lifted up on the pole for our healing, the healing serpent that was lifted up on the pole. He finished that. He spoke about that in John 3. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must also the Son of Man be lifted up. Check. Who else could heal us by becoming the serpent lifted up on the pole for the load of our sins? None but the Lord. And then he finished paying the ransom for each one and all that was in the load of our sins. Check. Who else could have paid this ransom for the load of our sins? No one else could have done it. And then he finished releasing us. We were prisoners. It was said of him, he was going to come and set the prisoner free. And so he finished releasing us from being prisoners to sin, a sin that kept us in a perpetual cycle of sin. We couldn't break out. We said, oh, I can if I want. I just can't want. And that's the bondage of sin. Who could have set us free from the load of our sins? None but the Lord. Then he finished running the devil out of town. He ran the devil away from being a tyrant over us. Check. Who could have run the devil away? None but the Lord. Then he finished removing from God's memory and God's sight our sins. Check. As it says in Hebrews 8.12, Hebrews 8.12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Who else could remove from God's memory the load of our sins? None but the Lord. Then the great New Testament, the great new covenant. What does he do? He creates it. He finishes it. He ratifies it. He seals it, the great New Testament. And he says, Then in Luke 22.20, Luke 22.20, likewise also the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. This is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. The New Testament, the new covenant. Who else could make a new covenant for us in his own blood? None but the Lord. So what do we do this morning? We're here to worship the Lord at his table. And we worship the Lord now for all he did in bearing the full load of our sins. Because who could do all this? None but the Lord. And we worship him because none but the Lord. Let's pray. Father, lead us on now as we continue to have our response to you in worshiping you at the table in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 